Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. I am so excited today for us to learn together how the meaning of Easter can bring you hope. You know, the Bible says that Jesus died for our failures and our regrets, but he was brought to life to bring us approval from God. I'll tell you what, when you start feeling like you're approved by God, you're going to have incredible hope. In fact, there's three key ingredients to life. The first one is love, the second one is faith, and the third one is hope. And let me tell you what, many times, the only time we we miss hope is when we don't have it. We don't appreciate it until it's missing. So today, listen in to see how the meaning of Easter can bring you great hope and make you an unstoppable force for Jesus in this life. We're just glad for all of you. We want to welcome you. We're, we're glad that you're here today on Easter Sunday. And um, what I want to give you or just share with you today is just some thoughts of why Easter can give you hope. Why Easter can give you hope. All right. And, um, you know, you don't know how important hope is until you don't have it. Right. Hope is hope is one of those things. You miss it when you don't have it. And a lot of times when you have it, you don't realize that you have it. And so I want to show you today. I want to share with you today how Easter gives you hope, because I'll tell you, when you have hope, you can do anything. You have hope, you have high confidence, you can accomplish things that you never dreamed you could accomplish. Hope is one of the top three things that the Bible says that you need. If you think about it, if you know anything about the Bible, and some of us do, some of us don't, but the Bible tells us there's three things, three key ingredients to your life. There's love, there's faith, and then there's hope. We need hope, all right? And so I want to... Sh- I wanna, I want to connect how Easter gives you hope. What we're going to be looking at is in the book of the Bible called Mark. And I'm going to be sharing. You're going to be showing up here on the screen. But Mark 15, you can, you can follow along in your Bible if you have it. You can follow along on your phone if you have a Bible on your phone. Or you can see it up here on the screen. Mark chapter 15. And we're going to give a backdrop. Listen to me carefully. We're going to give you a backdrop to... Uh, to Jesus's resurrection. He had to die first before he could be resurrected. So listen to this little backstory here. It was the day of preparation, which means it was a Sabbath. And for the Jews, the Sabbath uh, was there on that that Saturday. Okay, so it was the day of preparation, the day before the Sabbath. So it was a, a Friday. And on that evening, as evening approached, Jesus died at 3, around 3 p.m., according to the Bible. He died at 3 p.m., and they took, uh, they were ready to take the body down. And there was this man um, named Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council. Now, I want you to just think about this for a second. The council, or the Sanhedrin, was the group that had wanted to crucify Jesus, And this guy was a member of that council. And he's the brave soul that went to the powers that be and said, can I have Jesus's body? He could have, he's probably committing political suicide when he did this. 
But he went and asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate, the, the, the main guy at that time, was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. He summoned a centurion, confirming that Jesus was dead. And he went ahead and gave the body to this man named Joseph. So Joseph brought some linen. It's late on Friday night, Friday evening. He, he uh, wrapped Jesus' body and placed him in a tomb cut out, cut out of rock, a very expensive tomb. And he rolled a very large stone against the entrance of that tomb. Well, there's two ladies who were watching all of this happen. It was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph. They saw where Jesus was laid. If they hadn't seen where he was laid, nobody would have known where to go to find Jesus because everybody had scattered and they were scared and and frightened. And this was a time of complete hopelessness for these two ladies and for anybody that had been following Jesus. Hopelessness. Have you ever put your hope in something and been completely let down? Maybe your employer let you down. Maybe you had a spouse that let you down. Maybe you had a plan all perfectly and it let you down. Have you ever been disappointed in your life? These ladies were as disappointed as you can imagine. They had put all of their hope in Jesus, and now he was dead. You, when you read the Bible and you listen to stories in the Bible, you got to feel what those people felt. you got to feel it. And so these, these ladies were completely hopeless. hopeless. That's the backdrop. Now, we're, we're talking about Easter here. We're talking about Jesus' resurrection. So in Mark uh, 16, then the Sabbath happened. So you talk about a bad evening, and then the Sabbath. That was Saturday. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't go to the tomb. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything. They were stuck at home because that was the Jewish tradition to, to, to be completely uh, not doing anything during that day. And so... When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, that same lady, Mary the mother of James, and this other lady brought spices. They were going to embalm his body before it was too late. So they went to go anoint Jesus' body. Very early, the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked one another, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Have you ever gone and just done something? Whenever, whenever we travel, I just jump in the car, and I don't look in my, on Apple Maps or Google Maps where I'm going. I just go. I just jump in the car and go. And then after I've driven about five minutes, I realize I need to figure out how to get to where I'm going. <laughs> you ask my family. I do it all the time. These ladies did this. They went to the tomb, and they were like, I don't even know how we're going to get to his body because that big old rock is there. How are we going to even get to Jesus' body? But you know what? When they got there, (laughs) they looked up, and they saw that that very large stone had been rolled away. Let me tell you what. When you start looking for Jesus, you're going to start seeing the obstacles in your life moved away one at a time. You've got to take the first step and say, you know what, I'm, co- I'm going after Jesus. And as I go after Jesus, he's going to move all my doubts away. He's going to move all my fears away. He's going to move away my bad experiences. And I'm going to meet the Savior face to face. But you know what? You've got to take the first step, as these ladies did. Because your, your stones, your obstacles are going to be rolled away. They found the, tube, the, roll, the stone rolled away. They entered into the tomb. Now, don't think of this as a mausoleum 
where you walk in and there's high ceilings. No, this was a, a, a little enclosure that they probably had to stoop down and there was probably a makeshift bench there where they would have laid the body and a little bit of space to squeeze by. So when they looked into the tomb or they went into the tomb, they found a young man dressed in white robe sitting at the right, at the right side and they were alarmed. You know why they were alarmed? Because they almost bumped foreheads. <laughs> they stooped in and all of a sudden there's a man right there. That would scare you, wouldn't it? Early in the morning, it's still probably some shadows hard to see in there, and there's a man in white. But he says, don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. And today, I want to show you why the fact that he is alive now gives you hope. He said, he is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he's gone ahead of them into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. See, God, had, Jesus had been promising, I'm going to rise in three days. I'm going to die, but I'm going to be raised to life in three days. You know what? Are you looking for Jesus? I've got to believe that you're here sitting in this church on Easter Sunday because you're looking for Jesus. You know what? You don't just come to church on your own. Do you realize that? The Holy Spirit of God draws you into assemblies like this so that you can feel the Holy Spirit and, and you can hear the Word of God, the Bible spoken to you, and you can get a little bit of that hope that you've been so desperate for. And guess what? God, if you'll open your heart today, He's going to give you that hope that you've been looking for through His Son, Jesus so if you're looking for Jesus, those who look for him, they find out he's very much alive. <laughs> it's not that crucifix which Christians and Catholics alike tend to look at the dead Savior. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Trembling and bewildered, these women went on and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. When Jesus rose early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. We don't get the full story in here. In other Gospels, you get the full story. But the first person to see Jesus was this prostitute, this lady who had had a rough life, who would had, it says, seven demons cast out of her. Let me tell you what, when Jesus has forgiven you, you're the one that first finds Jesus. The person with the hardest life, with the most rotten life, but the person who's a thirsty soul that says, Jesus, I need you. You're going to be the one that sees Jesus first. You're the one that gets to experience his presence first in your life. And that was no exception with Mary Magdalene. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. Look at this. Here's somebody with hope reaching out to those who are completely hopeless. Mary Magdalene had this hope. Why? Because Jesus was resurrected. She had put all her eggs in one basket and for three days had, had just been miserably disappointed. But with the resurrection of Jesus, she had all the hope in the world. You know why? Because Jesus will never die again. He'll never die. He is resurrected permanently 
for your justification, for your salvation. And we're going to talk more about that in just a second. And so his resurrected life transformed her to have hope. And now she was able to take that hope to other people. And for you Christians, for you people who say, Jesus, I want you in my life, you should be sharing the hope of Jesus everywhere you go. Uh, Mr. Ortega and, and myself and, and Sarah and Tina, we show up every Tuesday at Irvin High School, man, and, and Michaela is there, and we're sharing the gospel of Jesus in a public high school, giving people hope, children, uh, not children, excuse me, teens, hope in Jesus Christ. Can you believe that opportunity here in El Paso, Texas? In the EPISD, we have that opportunity. You as Christians, we as Christians, we should be sharing the hope of Jesus. I'll tell you what, I used to be a hopeless person. I was raised in a Christian home. My parents were Christians, missionaries, pastors. I was hopeless until I got to know Jesus for myself. God doesn't have any grandchildren. (laughs) He only has children. You know what? And you know what? Your children, if you're a parent, your children's children, they need to know Jesus for themselves. For themselves. And so she talked to these mourning, hopeless people. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they didn't believe it. (laughs) They didn't believe it. Just like you're looking at me. Some people in this room are looking at me and saying, Steve, you are high as a kite, man. What are you talking about this resurrection? This happened 2,000 years ago. It's probably, it's probably a myth. It's probably just a religious gimmick. No, it's not. No, it's not. And you're sitting there just as much disbelief as these people had. But I tell you, I want to convince you today. I want to sell you today. Jesus is alive, and you need to know him. You need to know him. He's here to reach your heart, to change your life, to change your mind like you would never believe. Let, let me tell you this, though. To have faith in God, you first have to hope in God. I don't know how many times I, I've tried to have faith in God. Come on, God, i gotta have, I got to believe you. And I'm trying, and it doesn't work until first I begin to hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord and say, God, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> That's from Dumb and Dumber. You're saying there's a chance. All right? Come on, God. You can do it. Put your hope in God, and then you can have faith in God. Romans 4.18 says, Against all hope, another against the odds, Abraham in hope believed God. Stop trying to have faith and start putting some of your hope in God. And your faith is going to start growing and increasing. You'll start seeing that you can have faith in God. Practice hope in Jesus before you try to have faith in him. Hope leads to faith. So what does it mean to have hope in God? What practically, how do you do this? Well, if you're sick, what goes through your mind? What if I die? <laughs> right? If, you ha- if you're sick, you always think the worst case scenario. What if I have to have chemotherapy? What if I, ha- I suffer? What if I leave my kids behind? What if, what if, what if, what if? Here's hope. What if God heals me? Let's say, for instance, that maybe... you have a a car repair that's going to cost you too much, and you say, what if God helps me with this bill? 
See how that's hopeful? Instead of saying, what if I go broke? No, what if God helps me and supplies my needs so that I can get my car repaired? See, that's hopeful. Instead of doing bad what ifs, you start doing what? Good what ifs. What if my kids turn out to be strong Christians and don't end up on drugs and don't end up with a pregnancy that they don't want? What if this city of El Paso turns around and turns its heart to Jesus and people's lives start being turned around? You see, that's hope. That's putting your hope in God. And when you do that, you'll start having faith. Let's read on in verse 12 of Mark 16. Afterwards, Jesus did appear to different in different people, to two men in a different form while they were walking in the country. And the Bible has a whole story about that in a different gospel. These returned and also reported it to the rest, but they still didn't believe. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples. Why 11? Well, Judas Iscariot unfortunately committed suicide after he betrayed Jesus. So it was the 11 as they were eating and Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. You know, I thank God for his rebuking of me. In fact, I get nervous if I don't feel the Holy Spirit kind of convicting me about my life. You know why? Because my life veers off this way, and then it veers off that way. In fact, did you know, back in the days when the space shuttle was in function, when the space shuttle is going up, it's on target only some small percentage of the time, less than 5%. The onboard computers have to pull the space shuttle back on, and then it goes off this way and pull it back on. We're no different. Our lives get off track in half a day. In one hour, we're off track. And you and I, we need the Holy Spirit to rebuke us and to spank us a little bit. Not in a bad way, but just correct us and get us back on track. That's why it's so important. I encourage you, you're here on Easter Sunday, come back next Sunday. Put forth a little bit of effort and say, you know what, I'm going to get on track and I'm going to get in a place where people can encourage me and help me and strengthen me to stay on the track. Because you can't do it by yourself. I can't do it by myself. We need each other, whether it's for Christianity or anything. You need others to help you stay strong. And so I encourage you to come back next Sunday for that very reason. But they didn't believe. He, he, he kind of got on to them. And uh, you know what? Jesus wants you to have hope in him and to know that he's alive. And you know what? Here's going to give you help as well. Jesus is alive. He cares about you. He cares about you. He cares about your problems. He cares about your struggles. How many of you have mental battles in your head? You're constantly battling. I have them. I think we all know what that's like. We worry. We're anxious. We're stressed out. You know what? Jesus cares about your worries. In fact, he said, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. And not only he doesn't just, you know, empathize and sympathize with you. He can fix your problems. You know how I know? He's fixed my problems over and over and over again. He wants to fix your problems, but he needs you to cooperate a little bit with him. Cooperate with Jesus. Stop trying to do it on your own and say, Jesus, I need your help. I ask for Jesus' help almost every day of the week. I've gotten in the habit of it. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is evidence of faith 
in God and saying, I can't do it, but I know that you can and that you care about me. Verse 15, he said to them, go to all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned, meaning self-condemned. And I want to share this with you today. God is not condemning you. He's not condemning you. He's not throwing you under the bus. He's not judging you per se. Someday we will all be judged. Don't get me wrong. But today, right now, you have, uh, you have air in your lungs. God is not condemning you. The only thing that's going on in your mind is self-condemnation. You, you walk away from God, you're self-condemning yourself because he's trying to save you. Would you accept his reach of salvation? I have this picture in my mind. When somebody's drowning, you reach down, you grab their wrist. Their hand should grab onto your wrist so that you can pull them out. That which has taken hold of you, you need to grab a hold of as well. God is trying to grab hold of your life. You grab him back so that you can be saved. You can be extracted from the troubles, the the mental battles that you have. Praise God. That's the kind of God that we have. That couldn't happen if Jesus wasn't alive. Jesus couldn't save you if he was dead. But he's alive and he's trying to save you. Would you take hold of him as he tries to take hold of you? So, what, um, <clears throat> what did it really feel like for you <laughs> when you were saved out of your trouble? Have you ever been saved out of some kind of trouble, some kind of illness, maybe marital problems, uh, maybe you had some kind of addiction? Have you ever experienced salvation, and what did it feel like? It may not have even been spiritual in nature. Maybe you were in debt, and somebody said, hey, I'm going to pay for your credit card debt and get you out of debt. That's salvation, all right? Hey, you know, maybe you were sick and the doctor gave you some medicine and you got to feeling better and you were saved from your illness. How did that feel? Did it not feel good? Of course it does. That's exactly and even better the way Jesus' salvation feels in your life. He's alive today here to save you out of your problems and to save you from yourself. You know what? You are your own worst enemy, and I think we can all say amen to that. That is the truth. We are our own worst enemy. Jesus came to save you from yourself. Amen? And his life is what does it, and that's what gives us hope. Don't worry, I'm almost done. Just a couple more things here. All right, so why does Easter give us hope? Um, let, let me just mention a couple of things about hope. First of all, hope is a spiritual thermometer. Okay, if you have high hope, that usually means God is doing good things in your life. And I'm not talking about putting your hope in the government or in your in your uh, employer or in your spouse or in your boyfriend, girlfriend. No, I'm saying when you put your hope in, in God and you have high hope, that's a spiritual thermometer that says you're on the right track. When you have low hope, that means you're distracted, you're depressed, you're chasing after the wrong things. It's a spiritual thermometer. It shows you where, you're, where you stand. And there's so many things that can rob you of your hope. Hope also is the antidote to mental illness. You know what the first step to mental illness is? It's fear. It's worry. If you're a worry wart, you already have some level of mental illness going on in your mind. But let me tell you what, when you have hope, it erases fear. 
It erases worry. It erases panic attacks and anxiety attacks. Also, let me say a third thing about hope. Hope is having a high expectation in God himself. Because listen, we know who he is, that he's got a good nature, he cares about us, and that he consistently does good things for us. All right? If you know that God, you're going to have high hope. So look, look at these, just some final thoughts here. Romans 4.25, Jesus our Lord was handed over to death because of our failures. So Jesus died for our failures. How many of you have any regrets? Do you have any regrets for things that you've done? The way maybe you raised your child, the way you, the way you were, the things that you've done? We all have regrets. Jesus died to cover over your regrets so that you don't have to regret anything ever again. All right? He died for our failures. But look at this. He was brought to life so that we could receive God's approval. That's why Jesus lives, so that you can be approved of God. God can look at you and say, you're good. You're good. You say, but I messed up. But no, but you're good. My son lives. He's taken your place. You're good. Don't worry anymore. You're justified. It's just as if you never did anything wrong in your life. That gives hope. The life of Jesus gives us hope because he approves us or he justifies us. Praise God. So when we realize Jesus' resurrection gains us God's approval, that gives us huge hope. His life justifies us and makes it just as if we never did anything wrong. Now, look at these examples. Let's say you're a bad parent and you've raised your kids horribly, all right? And you look at yourself and you condemn yourself. You say, I just, I wasn't a good parent. You know what? Because Jesus lives, your kids can still have a good life. That's the hope that the resurrected Jesus gives us. Look at this. You might be a smoker and smoked all your life. And Jesus comes and says, you know what? I'm going to keep your lungs healthy anyways. That's the hope that the resurrected King of Kings gives us. You may be a reckless driver, but you're sitting safe and sound here because Jesus has protected you. His life has watched over you, even though you drive crazy sometimes, like me. All right? Maybe you have bad spending habits, but you know what? God still blesses your finances and keeps you paying the rent and keeping the lights on, and, and somehow you're still making it. That's the hope of the resurrected Jesus. This, all of these things are called grace, by the way, mercy and grace. Maybe you've turned your back on God, but yet today you're still enjoying the salvation that he's given you despite your bad life. That's the grace of God. That's the hope that the resurrected Lord gives us. He withholds from you what you deserve. He withholds from me what I deserve. That's what Jesus' resurrected life does. He approves of us, even though we shouldn't be approved of anyways. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 6, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one that's living, okay? According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope. Your hope in God is a living hope. It won't be disappointed. You won't be let down by hoping in God. Look at this. Uh, Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead... 
to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now you think, well, kept in heaven. Yeah, whenever I die, I'll have access to it. I need access to it now. Let me tell you what, that inheritance that God has for you is for you right now. He provides for you right now. He heals you right now. He he takes care of you right now. So when you read stuff in the Bible about stuff kept in heaven, he's given you access to it right now. An inheritance kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. I tell you what, you put your you put your hope in the living Jesus your joy is going to go through the ceiling. Your happiness is going to go through the ceiling. Your hobbies that you have, they'll, you'll still do them and you'll enjoy them, but nothing will compare to Jesus. Nothing compares to Jesus. His resurrected life equals grace and mercy for your life. Ephesians 2.8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through your faith, it's not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the results of work, so that no one can boast. And Sarah said it, the difference between true Bible-based Christianity and every other religion in the world is you come to Jesus as you are, and he saves you and takes you just like you are, but he loves you so much that he starts changing you into a better person, into a better person. And he never stops. You never reach it until that day when you see him face to face. You've passed on and praise God, then you're perfect. But until now, we're being perfected. I'm so thankful for that. So what is grace? What is this grace that God's talking about? It's a promotion at work that you weren't qualified for. It's, it's managing a problem with a calm mind without being stressed out. That's the grace of God that lets you live that life that way. It's, it's being miles, driving miles in your car and outlasting the tank of gas that's in your car. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me over and over again. An idiot that I am. I don't fill up my tank at the last gas station and then I'm praying and God makes that gas last and last and last. I, I've got so many stories I could keep you here. My wife hates me for how I do that. But I, I never forget once I glided right up to the pump as my car was stalling so that I could gas up. God is so good. I was right outside of TRC. Same thing. We had passed the gas station. She said, you should stop your gas. I didn't do it. And we made it all the way to TRC and, and got gas. But that's the grace of God. Have you experienced the grace of God? I bet all of us have, and we just don't give him credit. It was he that did it, or it was him that did it. Ephesians 2.12, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promises, without hope and without God in this world. And I'm going to make a statement here that some of you aren't going to agree with, but I don't care because it's true, and it's this. If you don't hope in God, you're not going to have hope in life. If you don't hope in God, you're not going to have hope in life. So get it straight, my brother, my sister. All right? Start putting your hope in God, and you will have hope in life. All right. I swear to you, I'm, I'm almost done. I know you don't believe me. 1 Timothy 1.1. 1, 1. 
Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope. Look at that. Christ Jesus our hope. And Titus 2.13 says something similar. Speaking of Jesus Christ as our blessed hope. Listen to this. <laughs> Jesus doesn't just give you hope. He is your hope. He doesn't just give you hope. He is your hope. Would you listen to me? Would you open your heart and let Jesus come inside of your life, inside of your mind, and save you from yourself? Would you do that? Today, you're going to have an opportunity to do that. It's a decision that you make. I was in here with one of a, a contractor this week. It was so cool. He was up on a ladder right in front of that door over there just a couple of days ago, and I was hoping he'd come today, but he was, I was, where Cole is at behind the sound booth, he was up there fixing the electricals, and um, it was so cool, man. He had the, the, his radio blaring, his boss had left, and I felt like, you know, I need to ask this guy if he wants to give his heart to Jesus, and so um, somehow the, the radio just cuts off, and we both looking at it like, what happened here, and um, his boss is gone, and I'm asking myself, God, when do you want me to talk to this guy? And he's like, the Lord said, you idiot, right now. Talk to him right now. All right? And so I said, hey, and we started talking. I'm telling you, in three minutes flat, I said, do you want to give your heart to Jesus? And the guy said, I do, actually. <laughs> I really do, man. And I led him right about where Don's sitting. I led him to the Lord right there. Gave him a Bible for he and his wife. Man, I'm telling you. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Don't wait to give your heart to Jesus. Do it while it's, the Bible says, do it while it's day. Because at night, you can't do it. What does that mean? When you're depressed, you're down, you can hardly breathe sometimes. But now, right now, you have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus in your life. The hope, his resurrected life for you. One last thought. Hebrews 6, 18 through, through 20, it says, We have fled to take hold of this hope. Because what do we do with this? What, what do we do with this information that I've given you? Take hold of God's hope in your life. Stop thinking the U.S. government's going to be all do anything for you. Give me a break. The government's going to fail you over and over again. Stop thinking your own your smartness and your schemes and you can do this and that. Stop trusting in yourself. Trust in the living God. Stop putting this big premium on humanity. Dude, we live 70, 80 years and then we're gone. All right? How is humanity is not going to solve anything here. The medical profession has in some, some cases done wonderful things and in other cases done awful things with the medications that we're putting everybody on nowadays doing terrible things. Stop trusting in man who has but breath in his nostrils. Of what account is he? Put your trust in the living God who gives you eternal life. So take hold of that hope that you might be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. It enters into the sanctuary behind the curtain. In other words, the place where our holy God is. And there our forerunner, Jesus, has entered in on our behalf. What does it mean that he's our high priest? It means he's on your side. You say, I don't deserve. I haven't even been talking to Jesus. Why would he be on my side? Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. 
Because he wants to see you succeed in life. He doesn't want you to fail. Give me a break. God wants you to succeed. He wants you to be blessed. So if you would, just close your eyes with me right now. I'm going to give you the opportunity right here, right now, to give your heart to this living Jesus that I've been telling you about, the Son of God. I'm not talking about Allah. I'm not talking about Buddha. I'm not talking about any other number of gods that are out there. I'm talking about the God whose son is Jesus Christ. That's the God that I'm talking about, just so there's no confusion. Do you want to give your heart to the Lord? I've literally come down here so that you're not embarrassed or ashamed. If you want to give your heart to the Lord, would you come down here with me and let me pray for you? And don't worry about what people think. Good grief. We worry all the time. Oh, my word. What if they think this? What if they think that? Who cares what people think? Who cares? Worry more about what God thinks than what people think. But if you want to give your heart to the Lord in a new and in a fresh and in a deeper way, come on down and let me pray for you. If you could just play some music, yeah, that'd be cool. Come on down. I have a couple of folks. Man, come on down. We're just going to pray together. We're going to pray together. Praise God. Anybody else? Don't be ashamed. Three of us right here, man. We're good. <laughs> Anybody else want to give their heart to the Lord right now? Do it while it's day. Do it, do it while it's easy. Amen? Do it while it's easy. Praise God. Lord Jesus, I just pray for my good friends, those here, Lord God, and here. In other words, sitting here and standing here, all of us, Lord Jesus. And I want to encourage, if you want to give your heart to the Lord, Pray this prayer with me out loud. It's a decision. It's not just a prayer. It's a decision. Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. Come into my life. Change me, God. Make me a better person. A better version of me. Lord, I acknowledge that you're alive, that you love for me, that you care for me. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for it. Amen.